This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. And one of my biggest frustrations in life is traffic. I grew up learning to drive on the freeways in L.A., and I think it has scarred me for life. Uh, when my girls were real, real little, I remember driving one day, and we're just hitting the thick traffic, the red lights, and I hear one of their little voices in the back of our car say, uh-oh, daddy, traffic. <laughs> and I realized that I've demonstrated my frustration out loud so much so that when they saw the red lights, they realized, daddy's about to get triggered. Oh. And I think one of the reasons why I find traffic so frustrating is because when you get caught up in it, your perspective gets so limited. You can't see what's going on. Like, like what's going on behind that truck? How long are we going to be in this place? Why are things like this? And, and I think that's one of the reasons it's just such, such an issue in my life that I've had to figure out how to work out. And, and yet I'm so grateful for some of the modern tools we have, like our GPS or Google Maps, because when you're caught up in the thick of traffic, you can look to those things and they can give you some context to what's going on. Like you can look at Google Maps and be like, oh, this is only for 15 minutes. Or if we take this little bypass, we can avoid the traffic. It's such a great tool because it helps us see the bigger picture. And I think it's the same thing in life, isn't it? Like it's so easy to have a limited perspective on what's going on because of the circumstances we find ourselves caught up in. And and yet I think what we always need to hold on to is that there's always a bigger story going on. And we saw this last week as as Ron kicked off our new series that we're in, Look Up, and, and we saw that there's this bigger story that God's telling through the creation of his world and bringing us into it to become a part of it. And and this story that Ron helped us help us see where one of the, the prophets was surrounded in the city and, and his servants freaking out and he prays, God, help him to see what's going on. And he suddenly saw this beautiful angelic army surrounding their enemies and there was this bigger story that was going on if he could just look up to see it. And, and see, I think that's the hope that we have as we walk through our lives today. There's always a bigger story going on and And God wants to invite us not just to see that story, but to actually step into it with him because he's got a role for us, a part for us to play. And so we see this dynamic going on in the life of a a guy named Gideon. And what we're going to do in the rest of this series is focus in on Gideon's story. Because what we're going to see is that Gideon's life has some interactions with God and some things that God wants to do that will actually translate and connect to our stories today. And, and, and so we, we, we discover Gideon's world, Gideon's story in the Old Testament scriptures in a book called Judges. And, and Judges is this unique time where the, the people have been rescued out of Israel or out of slavery in Egypt. God's brought Israel into this promised land that he's given them and, and he invited them to walk with him and follow him and it would go well if they stuck with him. And And yet they didn't always trust him. They didn't always stay with him. And and so we see some of the context of Gideon's life at the very end of Judges. We're told this, Judges 21, 25. It says this. It says, In those days, Israel had no king, and all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. 
And now at face value, that doesn't sound that bad. It's like, well, yeah, okay, that, that sounds cool. Like, you, you be you and I'll be me. Like, everyone just kind of do what seems right. And, and yet when you read the book of Judges, you realize that that was a recipe for chaos and anarchy. It was not the path to utopia. Because sometimes people doing what's right in their eyes is not good. And we see this time and time again in the story of Judges. And, and, and Gideon is caught up in this context and his time and so his story is taking place in this space where no one's really looking to God. They're just kind of doing their own thing. And so this is what we read as we step into Gideon's story. In Judges chapter 6, verse 1, we're told this, that the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. And again, what we see here is this, this repeating cycle of dynamic that that God and his people were in kind of like this dance of of walking away from God into pain and frustration and God stepping in to restore and rescue and bring them back and and they're caught up in the cycle in this moment and and so we don't really know specifically in this moment what they had done but they had walked away from God and and walked into pain and God's like you don't you don't want to stay with me that's okay I'm, I'm gonna let you do your thing but there's a consequence to that and and so the Midianites stepped in, this other group of people, and began to brutalize the Israelites. And so we see this in verse 2. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. And, and, and we're told that they would just come in and plunder and pillage and brutalize the Israelites. And, and so finally, after a period of time, they, they cry out for help. God, help us after the seven years of, of being oppressed and in verse 7, we're told that when they, when, when the Israelites, when God's people cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. And he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. And I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. And I told you, I am the Lord your God, and you must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But you've not listened to me. And so catch this. This is God showing up as they're crying out for help, and yet he's, he's not showing up because he's rubbing their faces in it. What he's doing is diagnosing the problem. Because until they can understand what the problem is, it's going to be really hard for them to embrace the solution. Like to get back on the right path, you, you have to understand where you took a wrong turn at some point in your story. And, and so God's showing up to say, hey, I'm here. I'm stepping into the story. I'm going to help you. But you got to understand what got you into this place in the first place. And so now he begins to move and he wants to invite Gideon to become part of the solution he's going to create for his people. And so we're told in verse 11 that this is what happens, that the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? I mean, didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? 
But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. And then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. And so here's Gideon and God interacting. Here's God showing up in the story because he's, he's wanting to answer the prayer that the people have, the prayer of rescue. And, and God shows up because he's going to invite Gideon to it. And yet Gideon's response is, really? God, if you're so great, like where are you? What's been going on in the story? And, and I think there's something significant to grab onto, to understand in this opening interaction we see between God and Gideon. That, that there's something about this that, that's so surprising to me on one level, but so hope-giving as well. And, and I think what's surprising to me about this interaction between God and, God and Gideon is, is what's going on. Like I, I wouldn't necessarily have expected this response from, from a Bible story that I see Gideon's response here. Like, like I, I would have expected that when God showed up, like everyone would have been like, yay, this is great. Like, like Gideon's response would be, this is awesome. Like, like he'd start singing that song from the Lego movie, everything is awesome. Yeah, that's not Gideon's response at all. Like Gideon is anything but happy. I mean, his response is like, if God is so great, then where is he? Like, why has he abandoned us? That's a significant thing that Gideon's saying. I mean, that's not simply saying, boo-hoo, life is hard. Gideon is actually indicting God for the problems that he's experiencing. That's bold. And yet what I find equally surprising is God's response. Like God doesn't seem to be upset or put off by this. Like, it's not like he looks at Gideon and goes, how dare you talk to me like this? I'm God. It's like he doesn't smite Gideon because of Gideon's indictment. No, what God seems to do in this interaction is reaffirm the fact that he's come to be with him and, and invite Gideon to actually be part of the solution God wants to bring. That's why he says, hey, I want you to go in the strength you have. Like I'm sending you. Gideon, I'm going to do something and you're a part of the solution with me. And I think we're seeing something so important in this interaction between God and Gideon about what a real relationship looks like. Like, what if it's actually okay to be honest with God? To be honest with God about what we're going through in our stories. Like to, to be completely honest with God about our frustrations and our confusion and our hurt. Because have you ever been there in your story? I mean, kind of a dumb question, right? I mean, we all walked through one of the craziest years of our lives. 2020 rung our bell in so many ways and, and we're not through. We've stepped into 21 and 21's coming out swinging. Of course we've experienced things like this. And yet what, what do we do in our relationship with God when we're in that place? Like in that place of frustration or hurt and confusion, do you feel permission to be honest with God about what you're experiencing, what you're feeling? Because it doesn't seem like God is put off by that. If anything, it's almost as if God invites that honesty from us as we come to him. 
And, and you see this not just in Gideon's story. Like, like you see this if you read through the Psalms, like these ancient songs that we have captured in the pages of Scripture. You, you'll see the gambit of human emotion as you read through the Psalms. Songs of celebration and, and delight and telling God how great He is and, and songs of hurt and confusion and lament. And, and if God didn't want that, He wouldn't have let it stay in His book. But it seems as if God said, like, no, you can bring all of yourself to me. And, and, and there's something I find so incredibly hopeful about this. Like, be, because what if... What if it's more than okay to bring ourselves to God? What if it's more than okay to be honest with God? Like, What if it's actually necessary in order to have a real relationship with Him? So here's something to understand about honesty. Honesty leads us into intimacy. See, have you, have you noticed that in some of your relationships? Like, like your significant relationships that, that some of the sweetest or, or, or greatest moments are when you've been able to have honesty with that person? Like I think our best relationships happen when we invite and include honesty in the dynamic. I remember one of the most terrifying phone calls of my life happened a short time before Christy and I were to be married. Um, so we were engaged, we were putting all the plans together, everything's coming in, family, like, I mean, it's, it's not a small thing to put together a wedding, and, and it's sometimes easy to get lost in the details and forget what this event is meant to be, this, this joining of two lives for, for the rest of our lives together. And, and yet shortly before our, our wedding day was coming up, I got a phone call, and it was Christy calling me one night, and she begins to talk and share, and as she's sharing, she's just expressing some of her fears and some of her concerns and are we ready and, and is this something that I want to do and, and as she's talking I'm starting to freak out inside because this is literally the cold feet conversation and and inside I'm suddenly getting uh, afraid like oh my gosh is she breaking up with me is, is this over like and then all the things that come with that this is embarrassing and, and what do I do and how do I recover like my mind is spinning as she's starting to share and and in the that moment, like God kind of shows up, and I just like He gently whispered into me, like Joel, just listen, just let her share. And so I, I kind of take a breath, and I just say, okay, I'm, I'm, help me understand, help me, help me hear what you're trying to say. And and it's interesting that that what Christy needed in that moment was simply for me to be willing to listen to her. And we talk about that now so many years later. And, and what Christy would say is she, she wasn't even intentionally trying to, to be manipulative or anything like that. But she said, I think even subconsciously, she'd say she needed to know that I was safe, that, that she could share honestly and know that I could, I could handle it. I, I could be there with her and walk through that with her there. And, I, and I'm so grateful that God stepped into that moment and just said, don't freak out, just listen and let her share. And, and that ability to be honest has created intimacy in our relationship. And, it, and it's the same idea that that honesty can lead to intimacy in our relationship with God. And, and yet it can be a scary thing because to be honest can be totally scary because <clears throat> not all our relationships are safe or secure enough to allow for honesty. 
Like not every person is able to handle it, whether it's receiving it or sharing it in a, in a helpful way. And yet even though it can be scary, honesty is so important to having a healthy relationship. And, and something that I love about God is that he doesn't, he doesn't have the hangups we so often do when it comes to honesty. But he invites us to come to him and engage with him as we are. And this is so hope-giving because there's a permission in our relationship with God to be honest with Him. Like, I can bring the unfiltered, unedited me to God so He can meet me as I am. And when that happens, it begins to create space for God to begin to lead me beyond where I am, beyond my frustration, beyond my hurt, beyond my confusion, into the bigger story God is telling, the story that he's actually inviting me to be a part of. And see, this honesty is so important because not only does it create intimacy in our relationship, honesty is a two-way street. That intimacy we discover with God allows us to hear what God wants to say to us. Because being honest with God opens us up to letting God be honest with us. And see, honesty is so powerful because not only does it lead us into intimacy, but honesty opens us up to transformation, to the thing that God wants to begin to do in our lives and in our story. And so we see this going on with God and Gideon in this moment. And and Gideon is so upset about his context, but his perspective is so limited. He's not able to see the bigger story of what's happening. He's not able to understand why he and his whole people are in this predicament in the first place. And so that's why God was showing up to help them understand, to paint the perspective, to give the diagnosis That's why I said through that prophet, hey, you haven't listened to me. You walked away from me. That's why you're in this dynamic. And and yet here he is showing up to bring help and hope and a solution. God is inviting Gideon to become part of that because it's through Gideon that we're going to see as his story unfolds. God's going to raise him up to be a champion to set the people free. But before Gideon can become part of the solution, he has to understand what the problem is. And see, I think the same thing is true in our lives. And we we don't always want to hear this or want to have a conversation about this, but I think it's so important if we want to experience the bigger story God wants to tell and and the freedom He wants to bring us into. Because there will be times in our stories when we need to recognize Recognize that part of the reason for the hurt and frustration, part of the reason for the mess we're caught up in, it's because of the choices we've made. The times that we said, God, I don't want what you want. God, I don't trust you. God, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. God, I'm going to look to something else or someone else to be God in my story. And, and so often we walk away from him and that always leads us further from the hope he is in our story. 
And this honesty that God invites, this honesty that allows us to to emote about what we're experiencing with God and, and, and is a two-way street that then allows God to begin to speak into us and be honest with us isn't because God's looking to rub our faces in it. Not at all. God's wanting to lead us out of the mess and brokenness and into healing and into new life. God's wanting to do His good work in us to bring us more fully into freedom to bring us more fully into the life that that Jesus said he came to give us. I mean, Jesus said, I've come to give you life, life to its fullest. That's always the direction God wants to lead us into. And so just like Gideon, God is inviting us to look up and see the bigger story so we can join him in being part of the solution in our own stories, and and in the stories of other people. See, so we can continue growing as people who have received His love and His mercy in our own lives, and who are continuing to grow and be transformed by His love, and so that we can now begin to extend that love and mercy to the world around us. Because there is a problem in our world. There's brokenness and mess. And when we get caught up in it, it's so easy to let the frustration overwhelm us and lose sight of our perspective and and miss out on the fact that God wants to step in and bring hope and solution and invite us into it. If we'll let Him. If we'll be honest and let that two-way street develop. (laughs) Let Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a frenemy? You know, you know what I mean by a frenemy? That's, that's somebody who's your friend, but man, you just push each other's buttons like crazy. I, I had a frenemy in high school, my buddy Jason, and I don't know what it was about our relationship, our friendship, our dynamic, but man, we knew how to trigger each other like no one else. And I, I remember one day we were hanging out with just a group of friends and just uh, uh, the, the stupid guy rivalry that sometimes happens just kind of surfaced in that moment. And, and I remember like Jason just kind of like walked over and kind of slugged me in the arm. And I'm like, ah, and I just I kind of push him back. And, and then it gets a little bit more intense. And he's like, like kind of puffs up. And, and we stop using words and we use guttural language of like caveman Neanderthal days. And, and he's just like, oh, and he, and he pushed me. And I just, I got really angry. And so I shoved him as hard as I could and I knocked him on the ground. And I'm like, stay there. <laughs> And then I turn and I start walking away from him and I hear him get up and start running at me. And so I just have this rage surface within me and I just take this wild, blind, backwards fist swing at him. And Jason reacts, throws his arm up and my fist hits his elbow. And the minute that happens, I just feel this sharp pain in my hand. And I stop and I look down and I have this bulge in the palm of my hand. And I'm like, that, that's not normal. And I look and there's this indentation on the back. And what I had done is I'd broken this bone in the back of my hand. I'd broken my metacarpal on Jason's elbow. And, and so I had to go and have surgery. Like I've got this nice scar on my hand just to remind me of what stupidity looks like in my life. And, and, and yet I remember in that relationship, my friendship with Jason, like we, it was volatile on and off. And this was an example. And, and I just remember God like kind of meeting me at some point along the way in that friendship and just think, Joe, why, why are you so angry with Jason? Like what, what is it about this? Like like, what's being stirred in you has more to do with you than it has to do with him. And, and God began to kind of just work in my life and my stories, like speaking some truth, some honesty to me about things I needed to work on. And, 
And then he began to speak honest, honesty and truth into me about Jason. Like, Joe, do you think that maybe there's a reason Jason's hurting too? Like, maybe there's a reason you guys trigger each other? Like, like instead of just being volcanoes, what if you, you tried to figure it out together? And, and I remember Jason and I went to summer camp together our, our senior year with our, with our church youth group. And the last night, we're all kind of hanging out around a fire and just reflecting on things that God was doing in our story. And Jason's sitting next to me. And, and I, just, I remember he just starts breaking down. He just he breaks down and starts weeping, not, not crying, weeping. And, and I remember he just looks at me and he's like, like, Joe, there's just so much pain in my story. And, and I remember God saying, hold him. <laughs> and so I take this healed, broken hand and I put it around him. And Jason just leans in and for like 30 minutes, he just weeps and I just sit and I hold him. And, and I think, God, like, what, what are you doing that you could take two guys that were fighting a year ago and bring us to this place where we're experiencing some kind of healing in our stories together. And that, that's because that, that's what God's able to do in our lives. He, he's able to speak to the problems that we're in and, and bring us into being part of the solution for other people and for ourselves and our story. And, and that moment didn't happen because I'm such a great guy or because I'm so incredible. No, I'm, I'm an ongoing work in progress. But that moment happened because God was doing something incredible and inviting us to be a part of this bigger story of healing he wanted to do in that one relationship. And see, I think God is constantly on the move. There's this bigger story that's going on because God's wanting to bring hope and healing and love into the story. And he's always inviting us to step into it with him, to play our part. And so let me ask you this question as we continue to walk into this new year. What's the story God is inviting you to be a part of? What's what's the story he wants you to step into with him? Because through you, he wants you to be part of the solution. To bring hope and healing and love, truth and goodness into into this world, into another person's life, another person's story. Now, what's the story God's inviting you into? And part of discovering that story is being honest with God. Because that honesty with Him, well, it leads you into intimacy. And it opens you up to transformation. So God can do a work in you and through you in this year. And so God, God, we want to be a part of the story you're telling. Part of the story you're telling as we walk into this new year. Part of the story you're telling in in our, our relationships and in our families, in our city, in our context, in our hurting nation right now. And so God, we want to be honest with you about what we're feeling and then listen as you speak words of honesty to us and invite us to be part of the solution. So thank you that you're good. Thank you that you're for us. Thank you that you want to do incredible things in this world, not just for us, but through us. So give us ears to hear as we walk into this year and let us see what you have for us. 
God, take our hearts and make them new. Let us see what you're doing in the world around us this year. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.